0: Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Danny Lazell, your host for season four, and in this week's episode, I sat down with Azo Network Content Manager Ben Stibbs-Eaton, to discuss everything that goes into developing an effective SEO strategy for industrial companies. So Ben, if we start at the beginning, so if we're sitting here, I'm your yep. client, we're meeting for the first time, uh, I'll have some understanding of SEO, but we're talking about overall strategy goals. What does that first meeting look like? What would you talk about? What yep. sort of things are you setting out from the start?
1: Yeah, yeah, so we would basically just start with an overview of the total process of what the client can expect. Working with Azo, we would sit down. It would be two of us, myself and one of the account managers. I'd let the account manager lead because they would start talking about the basics of keyword research, on site optimization, technical SEO, and reporting. Effectively, those are the main things that we're going to be covering. And then we'd move on to my side of it, which would be the content strategy and implementation for the site. So, the very first step in any of the campaigns would be determining the keywords. We do that with like quite intensive keyword research, so it's very upfronted a lot of the work probably, like a probably maybe twenty percent of the work is done within the first month of an entire campaign, purely because it starts to tick over once we've got these initial blocks in place. You will liaise with the clients first off to come up with a list of keywords, but a lot of it is coming from our own research. You do find some clients have done something cursory in the past, maybe they've tried to do some of their own SEO. But most of it is coming from research we've done, which is validated by the search data. Uh, We'll check what the search intent is like on Google, what's already appearing for the SERPs and what kind of content might be ranking. And you're just looking for that perfect sort of specificity and keyword volume for them to go with.
0: For for people listening or watching who aren't familiar with Terms like search volume, Mm -hmm. keyword density. Could you just go into those a little bit more?
1: Uh, So search volume is the average searches per month. We usually pull that from Google because they have the obviously largest database. They get the most data. So theirs is technically the most accurate results for how many searches per month for any given search term. The keyword density is the frequency with which a given keyword appears in the content on a page. So if we have digital marketing on our digital marketing page, the frequency is the essential percentage of the overall word count that is digital marketing, if that makes sense. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes understood. I hope everyone understood that
1: is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But then with a the keyword like digital
0: marketing, that's going to have huge, huge search volume. So how do you dig into the relevance? Yeah, yeah. yeah like
1: exactly. So that is one of the things that we have to manage because some clients will say, if we make it specific, how do I rank for stainless steel, for example, for engineering The short answer is you probably won't, but we can look into it and work to it over the long term. But in the meantime, we'll maybe expand it, make it a longer tail search term. So stainless steel for X application, stainless steel for shipbuilding or stainless steel for oil and gas, for example. And the searches for that are much shorter, well, much smaller, sorry. But the specificity is much higher. So you're much more likely to rank for something like that, given the right content.
0: Is that a common conversation starter? Oh, we want to rank for this term, stainless steel? Yeah, yeah. How easy is it to convince people that that isn't necessarily the right way to go? It's not
1: too difficult. It used to be harder, but I think the more we've done the job, the more testimonials we've got, the more examples we've got, the easier it is to convince clients of, or new clients of how it works, and that we know what we're talking about. So in the past, we would have clients who would be trying to rank for competitors' brand names, for example, and it was difficult for us to say, first off, you're kind of infringing on trademark area here uh, you're opening yourself up to copyright but trying to write content about this stuff and potentially align yourself with theirs when you're not doing that same thing but also saying to them this brand name that you're using appears so frequently on the competitors site because it's theirs it's never going to work for you and it, that that kind of conversation can go on a little bit But as I say, we've been doing it so long now, it's a lot easier.
0: What about other challenges that arise in that sort of initial phase, the planning phase, the strategy phase?
1: The challenges that we tend to have at like the earlier kind of phases with clients is convincing them of the importance of the blog content that we do. So, alongside obviously all of the on-site optimization that we're doing, we're going on landing pages and sorting out the meta-titles and meta-descriptions, making sure that the internal linking strategy is up to scratch, Uh, we're doing technical audits, reporting, but we're also generating content and what that means is we're doing uh, fortnightly blog posts, roughly 500 words each, and the goal behind them is to compete for new rankings, but also to drive traffic to existing landing pages on the site. So the blog content is generally going like quite top-of-the-funnel educational pieces of content. And because we're dealing with people in relatively technical B2B spaces, a lot of the time they can kind of look down their nose a little bit at the type of content we're suggesting. If we stick with stainless steel, sometimes I might suggest a blog post as simple as what is stainless steel. That in itself is a long-tail search term, which has probably got a few good searches per month. The relevance is probably pretty good, even though the argument we get from the other side is, Anybody that we're trying to attract knows what stainless steel is. This is a waste of our time. But it's not when you look at the the nuts and bolts of what that blog post can actually do for your site. And also when you look at the fact that over 60% of all unique search queries on the web are informationally based. About 8.5% of them are commercially based. You can't always be writing something that is product-focused. You do have to put out educational content if you want to cast the widest net. So is that sort of
0: you're not being a scientist or not coming from a scientific background and then you're you're meeting with clients saying, I'm going to write all these pieces for you. Is that another common sort of pushback? How can you write this in a technical way that's good enough for our audience yeah. sort of thing?
1: Yeah, that is one. Again, we don't have that as much now purely because of the amount of information that we've now got at our disposal. I can turn around to new clients that we get and give them examples of stuff I've written for people in similar fields, by and large, every time. There's only been a few occasions in the recent history when i haven't had any direct examples that apply to their industry that i couldn't say that either myself or a team member has written and has written well and then we back that up by saying and look where it's ranking so if you want to achieve these results this is the kind of content that you need to be putting out
0: and i guess that goes back to the strategy at the start what is the purpose of yeah. writing these blogs yeah, Is it exactly. to appear the most technical content or put together the most technical content going no is the answer to that. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, They have application notes and white papers for that. This isn't what we're trying to achieve. We do want it to be technically correct and we do want it to speak to their audience, but ultimately the main goal is rankings. That's from our perspective anyway.
0: Yeah. So if we dig a bit more into the overall content strategy, you've got the sort of the key landing pages on all websites. How are you enhancing those with new content? What is, what is your game plan there?
1: So one of the... Uh, most important rank factors is high quality content and another one is a good internal linking structure. So if we are adding new pages on the site every single month, we're putting new high quality content out frequently, every new blog post that we do is fully optimized and that's fully optimized for the target keyword. So if we're trying to drive traffic to a specific landing page, I will make that the keyword of that landing page the focus of the article. But then I'll also enrich the article with secondary keywords. So if we say stainless steel, for example, stainless steel for shipbuilding might be a secondary keyword. The sort of different grades of stainless steel might be semantically related keywords. Sometimes the specifications of steels can be semantically related keywords. And every single blog we do has got all of that enrichment in it. When it goes live, it links back to the original landing page and ultimately drives authority and traffic back.
0: Semantically keywords, what does that mean?
1: So these semantically related keywords are what some people call tertiary keywords. They're not terms that we're trying to rank for. They're keywords which essentially link one piece of content to another from a topical perspective so you're not trying to rank for those as I say it's just including those in your content aligns your content more closely with similar content and when you're demonstrating that expertise in a particular area because you're speaking the language of the topic you're more likely to rank higher
0: Yeah, I know you wrote a blog post about this going into a lot more depth yeah. so we'll link that into the, the notes yeah, of this great. episode yeah, yeah. so people can delve a bit deeper into that It's so what about the gaps on site so we've got the key landing pages you determine the content you're going to put together for those how do
1: you identify gaps and then what do you do about them so we can do a couple a couple of options for that one do some competitor analysis so we can look at a competitor domain and that can be um, a competitor in the traditional sense so it's a, a company that you're effectively going up against for a share of the market Or it could be a competitor in the search sense, which is people who you're trying to rank against. So for a lot of people, Wikipedia is a competitor. Now, they're not obviously a conventional competitor, but they are in the sense that you want to knock Wikipedia off what is predominantly number one. And people
0: always interested... When you approached with
1: that sort of idea that competitors here are going to be, yeah, might t- be
0: completely different to competitors I, I, yeah, in the yeah, yeah. commercial I find
1: people, again, it's like that kind of education thing. People are much more involved in that process now. People know that that's the case. Whereas two or three years ago, people would have been a standard. They just wouldn't have really accepted the fact that that was the case, that they're not my competitor. And that's not the verbiage we use to describe competitors, basically. It does work as well with conventional competitors because a lot of the time there is a very clear overlap. So we can compare one domain versus another, look for the areas where there is similarity. So if there's a particular person selling uh, the same alloy as you. You might not have identical and probably won't have identical product offerings across the page. So there'll be areas that they're performing well in, which just are irrelevant to you. You don't need to worry about those. But if you look at the places where there is an overlap, if you're selling the same alloy and they're ranking higher than you in certain areas, you can then look at those and basically determine that that's a gap in your content potentially. Either you're not performing well in those areas or you're not really competing. And we can look at that and essentially reverse engineer what the competitor is doing well to try and do the same for you.
0: So if they're not performing well, what can you do to enhance? Because a lot of marketers are going to have loads and loads of content. They might have created it without search intent in mind. Um, I know we do that a lot of the time. I've been guilty. Or sometimes it's not part of the strategy. But what can you do to then enhance that piece of content so it starts ranking higher for those keywords that you're talking about?
1: So we can do a content audit. So alongside doing the the new content, which is providing those internal links. As you said, there's sometimes when there's already content there, it's just not quite hitting the mark. You can do an audit of that content and do that process, but kind of in reverse. You just look at what they're attempting to rank for make sure that the existing page that they've got is optimized as good as possible. So you might need to change the title. You may even need to change the URL and implement a redirect, go through the content and occasionally rewrite it so that you're including the secondary and semantically related keywords. But then you can also look at the analytics data and see particular metrics which are subpar. For example, if you've got, it's going to be potentially consigned to the dustbin at some point, but if you've got a really high bounce rate, you might want to look at, What is the initial part of the content engaging? Are there calls to action throughout the page, offering them links elsewhere? If the entrance rate isn't particularly high, but the page views are particularly high, you might want to be looking at that and changing the content to improve entrances by competing for rankings normally. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot a lot of ways you can go about it.
0: So how would you determine? So I guess you could do some sort of conversion rate
1: optimization to yeah. see how yeah, these yeah. things are going. Yeah, to improve the user experience, the conversion rate optimization is really important. Because especially for improving your calls to action, because that can obviously through A B testing, it can feed one version of a page to one user and another version of the page to another, and then directly compare how they you know, acted on that particular page. Did they click through to the link on the one where it was highlighted in blue, or did they click through where it was highlighted in red? And mm. using that data, you can decide your approach effectively.
0: So, you and the have gone through all this work. We're now ranking. If we use the stainless steel as an example, what was the long form keyword to uh, use?
1: Shipbuilding. Stainless steel for shipbuilding. Stainless
0: steel for shipbuilding. So we're ranking number one for that through a blog post that you've written, and three months ago, then we are doing really well, but then we slipped to number two, mm-hmm. and then. We go to three, four, five, six. Yeah. We're sort of slipping down the down the rankings. How do you make those keywords stick?
1: That's a good question. Um, it is tough, especially nowadays, to make rankings stick evergreen because the volatility of the keywords at the moment is is really high. So what I mean by volatility is it's a metric that kind of um measures the likelihood of any given search engine results page uh, is going to change in a given day uh, and they measure it in days so it's a percentage of the days in the year it's quite complicated but it is effectively just saying how likely the search engine page search engine results page is to change so at the moment it's roughly 50 percent of the days in the year there is likely to be changes on the search pages essentially Okay,
0: so I don't think a lot of people know about that. So we're basically saying every second day, what appears number one is going to be
1: different? Potentially, yeah. So what we're talking about is 365 days in the year, 50% of those days, there is likely to be fluctuation in the uh, results pages. What we are seeing now is an increase in that. That's up from, I think, the 40% two years ago. And it seems to be increasing and people are talking about what we potentially see daily search volatility in the future. So your keywords are likely to be jumping about from Monday to Tuesday in the yeah. not so distant future.
0: How will analytics platforms like present that? How will you know that Monday hours, number one, Tuesday hours so is two, it, or it, is it important?
1: Yeah, it, it will be important, but not really in the minutia of that. I wouldn't say it might be important in the sense of if you're seeing yourself constantly the victim of volatility and you're constantly going up and down. If you're, You'd want to see it over the long term, I guess. If you're jumping from one to two, two to one, constantly backwards and forwards, I don't think it's too much to hugely worry about. Um, but if you see over the long term that trend of jumping backwards and forwards is creeping further down and down and down, then yeah. that's when you would probably want to action some changes.
0: And is it mainly volatility we one and, say, two and three, or is it? Is there any other are there circumstances where it's go one to page two sort of thing? Yeah,
1: yeah, it varies. We've seen people go from one to ninety seven. Like okay. they, yeah, so that, I've, that I've seen some yeah, yeah. real spikes. Sometimes that's due to a an algorithm change, but Google's changing the algorithm all the time. So again, it's not one you can really safeguard against. It's just kind of fills most SEOs with like trepidation. It's like yeah. oh, there's, there's been an update, but they're almost daily occurrence. There's micro updates all the time. Um, as I said, it's not something you can really defend against. You just have to implement the best possible strategies you can, stick to best practices. Don't use black hat tactics and, you know, hope for the best.
0: Yeah. So I think overall those tactics, those dodgy tactics you're talking about have become less and less of a, of an issue industry-wise. Mm-hmm. But why avoid them if they can get your results quickly?
1: Well, that's the thing. They, they wouldn't be able to. They used to. It's a kind of a dying art, thank God. But it would just be a case of like link farming where you would just stuff keywords into pages and then just pile links into them just on the, the hope that that is kind of... Uh, hacking the process. It just doesn't work anymore. Google's too good at recognising what is effectively bad content and what is not genuine. It's got those EAT principles, which is expertise, authority, and trust. And without those, you're not going to get anywhere. And if you've got this horrible-looking link farm site which takes forever to load, it's not going to do you anything. In fact, it's going to be probably flagged as a toxic link, and you're going to want to disassociate yourself with that site.
0: So if anyone listening who thinks they're smarter than the machines, just give (laughs) in. (laughs) But I think the overall thing that you're saying is that you can have your strategies you can get to the top in two three months maybe but if you then just leave it and move on to something else and take your eye off the wall that could quite quickly be page two page three i can't remember what the stat is about search rankings and the percentage of which are on page one but it's obviously really 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 high so yeah long form strategy it's not set and forget it's working close keeping your eye on things yeah definitely and sort of over continuous period of time mm-hmm. is that fair yeah yeah 100 yeah, yeah. <laughs> percent. put words in your mouth with that summary but then i just want to make sure that's that fair Oh, you can do the talking. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> no we've all come to listen to you ben so then if we start looking forward mm-hmm. uh, sort of, sort of trends you mentioned a couple of algorithm changes that have happened recently as more and more marketers within sort of industrial engineering space start picking up on this and mm-hmm. start focusing on seo those keywords so stainless steel for shipbuilding for example are going to become more and more competitive How can you guard against that?
1: So in one way, I think the competitiveness is a good thing. I think that the more people that get on board with this, uh, with this kind of strategy, the better content that they're serving to their customers effectively. I know you're going to be competing against other people, but the niches are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and essentially they should get more specific. So every time that you're achieving a page one, position one ranking, you should essentially be getting the users you exactly want that would be the the ultimate end goal because google's as much as people like there are overlords really but what <laughs> the main goal with the search engine is to feed people the results they want based on the search query that they've put in if everybody's implementing these strategies and if the keyword strategies are finally focused enough you should hopefully be getting the exact user you really want quite early within that strategy
0: so essentially what you're saying is the more competitive a keyword gets the better that content that serves on the top page is going to be because marketers are going to have to think out the box they have to be more specific in in what they're they're writing and creating
1: yeah definitely and also we're looking at um with the move towards the next iteration of google analytics the process of content creation has to become much more multifaceted and multi-platform so although Everybody, as you say, is going to be fighting for that top spot in Google. What makes you get there is going to be based on more building blocks. So you're not just going to be able to do it based on what we've talked about today. You're probably going to have to start looking into really focusing on social media, for example. Maybe you need to be doing some email marketing and definitely CRO as well. With the core web vitals being so important, the user experience is affected if your core web vitals. So your site load speed, for example, if that isn't up to scratch... It's going to mark you down in terms of a rank factor, and it's also going to decrease the user experience, which is why it marks you down. So anything that is leading towards poor user experience is going to go against you. So what we should be looking at is better websites, better content, and a multi-platform approach to trying to get customers onto the website. So that's a long-winded way of basically saying, like, it's creating a lot more jobs for marketers. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. You mentioned the emphasis of user experience,
0: GA4's coming out, obviously, middle of next year, June, July, so we'll be able to measure that UX better. What other impacts is is it going to have on on SEO and your overall SEO strategies?
1: GA4 doesn't really impact it in the sense that a lot of people are panicking that it will. It's obviously, it's a seismic shift in how we track analytics. It's changing effectively everything. They've started saying bounce rate is going to go, but now bounce rate's not going to go. It's this kind of two steps forward, one step back process with what's actually going to launch when GA4 in June, July. But the the reason that they are launching that is because the way that they uh, they, in Google, the way that they serve content to people via the search result pages. It's changed so much, as we said before. It's it's based on user experience more than just keywords. Obviously, the keywords are still important, but the factors which go into how you get to that top spot have just grown exponentially. And the idea behind J 4 is to help you track that better. So we were saying before about social media and trying to get people in from a multi-platform perspective. It was difficult to track that kind of path analysis, using the universal analytics you needed a more um what well, the, the newer system essentially to help you track that better and that's what ga4 is going to do
0: so people should marketers shouldn't be losing their minds getting worried about this like huge change coming or is what if, you're saying if, i think
1: if you're ahead of the curve then no i think it's something people should be looking into now because it is going to change the way you're setting up the system is going to change yeah. it isn't necessarily just going to be plug-and-play functionality from Universal to GA4. I I do know there has been an update to say I think the might be goals can transition over quite smoothly. But before that, it was going to be a blank slate. We don't exactly know what it's going to look like in June, July when it launches. So it is something to be aware of. But as I said, as long as you are implementing the right strategies now, it shouldn't affect your site performance. What you're looking at is just more difficulty or a little bit more onboarding in how you actually track your analytics and make sure you know what's going on with your website. Like you said before, if you take your eye off the ball, you can find yourself slipping. And without that analysis, you don't really know how to correct
0: it. And anyone who is worried about GA4 anything can keep up to date with, I'm sure you'll be writing more about yeah, it on the yeah. blog over
1: the next few months. Yeah, we, we do it's have. something.
0: You, I know you and the team have been looking at for, for a while now. So yeah.
1: We're trying to help our clients currently set it up early so that when it launches, they've got historical data to go off for the following six months. So if we can try and get most of our clients set up by Christmas, then when June, July comes, we've got six months worth of historical data to help them move forward. Whereas a lot of people may be in the situation where if that data isn't carrying over from Universal to GA4, they might have essentially a blank spot in the in the, uh, the analysis for them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good place to finish, Ben. Thank yeah. you
1: very much. No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: A big thanks to Ben for sharing his time and expertise with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening, then please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider, sharing this episode on social media, or the colleague that you think might enjoy it as well. This podcast was edited by João Pinto and brought to you by Azo Network. We'll be back again soon with more special guests for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care and thanks for listening.